Hey, it's your Kali. What's up? Warning, 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 warning. You are about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome to this emergency special edition. Uh, you are listening to What's Up Radio, which is WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpin Radio. And today I am here with my fellow peers, and we're going to be talking about something that is very important. So my name is Marimar. I'm Brian. My name is Joseph Oswemora. And uh, we're going to be talking about DACA. As you guys might have heard, or unless you're like under a rock, right? Uh, DACA <laughs> was announced to be terminated, and this is very impactful. But before we start talking about why it's impactful, we're gonna talk about what DACA is. Does anybody wanna pitch in? Yeah, so DACA is the Deferred Action of Childhood Arrival. So DACA is a, exec- was or is, I, I don't know what to say anymore because right. it's where we're like, kind of in an in, in, in between or I don't know how to wrap my head around this yet because it happened so quick and so fast. Um, so DACA uh, um, provides a social security, a work permit, um, an opportunity to have a driver's license um, for children who arrive to the U.S. Um, as as children didn't have a say so um, in 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 migrating to the United States, but um, so yeah, so this gives opportunity for children, uh, for young students, um, to pursue a a college career and a career in general in the United States. Um, yeah, that's my understanding of, of DACA from my experience. Yeah. Also, it is important to note that DACA, unlike many believe, does not grant a pathway to citizenship. So in a way, it was kind of sort of a relief from deportation. Um, and it helped a lot of people be able to feel safe, be able to pursue the career of their dreams, etc. Um, and it is very important because people were able to contribute more to the country they were living in and to, in a way, come out of the shadows. Um and a lot of the people, beneficiaries from DACA, also oftentimes re- are referred to as dreamers. Does anybody want to talk about this term, dreamers? Well, in case you don't know what dreamers stands for, uh, it stands for Development, Relief, and Education for Alien Mi- Miners Act. And it was basically like a pathway for, oh, could say citizenship, but it was a lot more complicated than just oh, DACA. Yeah, so the Dreamer came about uh, because there was a bill introduced, which was the Dream Act. It was introduced in 2010, I believe. Um, And it was going to be a pathway for these young children that came to the United States at a very young age to be able to have a pathway to citizenship. Essentially, there was a lot of different concerns about it because although it was a really good uh, proposal, it was very specific to the outstanding, brightest, undocumented students. 
Now, today, a lot of people, a lot of people that were documented still identify as streamers, but some, on the other hand, choose to stray away from the term because they believe that, in a way, it is telling this, like, good immigrant, bad immigrant rhetoric. Like, this idea that, like, if you're a dreamer, you're, like, 4.0, like, valedictorian student. Um, and a lot of the times, people feel that... Um, other students that maybe arrived here at a very young age but were unable to achieve a college education or were unable to pursue their dreams because of a plethora of reasons do not oftentimes fit this dreamer rhetoric. So that's one of the, the things that happens a lot with that term and that is brought up in many, uh, in many um, immigrant communities. So today we have a full show. We're going to be talking to various guests speaking. Uh, one of them, Maria Torres from Protection for All. Uh, we're going to be speaking about forms of protest because not necessarily all protest means that we get together and we rally, but there's other forms of protest as well. Uh, and we're also going to be talking to Natividad. Uh, she is going to talk to us about the legal steps after DACA has been quote-unquote terminated and like mm -hmm. joe said we're kind of like in this awkward stage it's kind of like a teen in puberty we don't really know what's going <laughs> on um but hopefully everything resolves eventually mm -hmm. okay so we're gonna go on a quick break and we will be back minorities that's what they call us. The outskirts of society. The authors of crime. Take a look at us. Is it because of my dark skin that you think I'm gonna shoot you? Is it because of the borders I've crossed that you think I'm not a part of and that I do not belong in this nation? Is it my sexual orientation that makes me a sinner? Is it because I'm just a woman that you think I'm inferior, that I don't have what it takes? Is it because I'm just another adolescent that makes you think that I don't have control over my decisions, that I don't have a voice? Yet here we are, speaking to you, letting you know loud and clear that we are not a group of kids with guns. No walls can stop us. No laws will silence us. No white privileges are needed here to succeed. We will not let our dreams be diminished. Yes, we are surrounded by violence, injustice, poverty. However, that's just it. Those things are the things that give us a reason to speak up. That move us and inspire us to own the battleground we stand on. Once that microphone's in front of us, we become the definition of dominance. Every word we write, every word we say, is powered with creativity, strength, invincibility, and rage. No stereotypes. No gender roles. No 45th president will break us. We are dangerous. We are unafraid. We're the misfits. The weirdos. The Fruit Loops and the Cheerio Box. But hey, it's our differences that define us. Not that sickening and weakening word. Minorities. Through thick and thin, we're proud to be who we are. We are Yolo's Valley! We've been keeping it weird and real since 1997. Hey, did you include the fact that we love pizza? Wait, what? We recording? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, and we are back. So we're going to be interviewing Maria Torres next. And my peer right here, Brian, is going to be Yo. talking to us about a little bit more about Protection for All. Well, first of all, 
uh, Protection for All Movement is a Chicago documented uh, lead group of Chicago Chicago volunteers uh, organizing to raise uh, funds for the procedure uh, legal fees of DACA recipients who currently qualify for renewals. So, well, in case you guys didn't know, you can still renew your DACA uh, if you're or currently or uh, documented. And, uh, well, first of all, we have Maria Torres right here. Just Hi. wanted to ask you, what what does the word dreamer mean to you or for the whole um, organization movement? Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Yorokali, uh, and what's up for having me here today. Um, so the there is, uh, a, when we started hearing the rumors of DACA ending, um, there's a, I am going to be 30, uh, 30 years old next um, next April, and I have been involved in immigrant rights advocacy since I was in high school. So that's like a long it's a time. A long time. I know. Oh, come on. And <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what school, so if, if I may ask? I uh, went to Dundee Crown High School mm -hmm. in Carpentersville, out in the suburbs. <clears throat> I know. Um, there is a world outside of Chicago, believe me. <laughs> And um, when I was uh, in, in high school, um, um, I was undocumented and somebody approached me and said like, hey, um, I know that you're undocumented. I'm going to take you to Washington, D.C., and we're going to demand that you get your papers because we're going to go and lobby for the DREAM Act. I was like, okay. So I had to ask my parents for permission. They're like, yeah, who's this person? Like, yeah. what? Like, No. Um, so she came, they let me, and that was the first time that I heard the term dreamer. And like you mentioned earlier, uh, the DREAM Act um, is a um, proposal, a bill that was proposed actually before 2010. It was mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. way, way before by Senator Dick Durbin. And it was this piece of legislation that says that whoever came here before the age of uh, 15 and is still young and has a good moral character, whatever that means, it's mm -hmm. something like you don't have a record and you've been a good citizen, someone who's currently in college or enrolled in the GED, who has been here in the United States for more than five years at the time of the enactment of the bill, uh, which means that they came in as children, that they could have a pathway to citizenship. But So let me ask you, um, how many of you know somebody who's undocumented, young or not? I think we all do, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. everybody <laughs> in this studio knows somebody, right? Yes. There's 12 million undocumented immigrants. Yeah. And the DREAM Act um, and DACA, uh, as they stand, they only cover like less than a million people. So for me, the term dreamer is like great. It provides for people like me a pathway to citizenship to no longer live in fear of deportation. It means that I have an opportunity to work legally, to get a social security number, to get a credit card. <laughs> um, but um, it also means that people like my parents, that they continue to live in the shadows. It also means that people like my brother, who has... Um, who drop out of high school doesn't have the mm -hmm. same opportunity, right? And so I have a love-hate relationship, more hate than love for the term dreamer. Because I was fortunate and I was privileged enough to live with parents who both have jobs, who told me, like, just go to school. I didn't have any learning disabilities. I had a fairly good drive to go to school and, like, teachers and mentors who supported me. But there is like millions of people who don't have that. And so by saying 
just that we support dreamers. It is great. But by continuing to using the narrative, we keep 11 million people out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So to me, dreamer means that there is good people and then there is bad people. And I am not going to stand here and only advocate for myself because I am who I am because of my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, are you aware of like the requirements for to get the Dream Act, right? The Dream Act? Yeah. So the Dream Act is a bill that has been introduced and it hasn't become a law. A law. Um, so in order to qualify for the DREAM Act, you would have to have come to the United States before the age of 16 uh, or 15, before the age of 15, 16. Um, you must have been living here for, uh, is it five years at the time of the enactment of the law? So before, before <laughs> June of oh, This is for DACA though, uh, but for the DREAM Act, so if the because the, the Dream Act hasn't passed, it's just a bill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's say if the Dream Act were to pass today, then you must have come, come to the United States before you were 15. Mm -hmm. um, the age limit is like you must have been like 30 or 35. I'm not sure what the current bill as it is introduced is and had been living here um, for several years before that. But that hasn't passed, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, that, on the other hand, uh, since June of 15, 2007, if you had been here and if you were um, 15 or younger and 35 or younger, you could apply uh, for that and be eligible to get a work permit, which then makes you eligible for a social security number. But like you guys said earlier, it doesn't mean that you are in a pathway to citizenship. And like we know now, people like me who benefited from DACA who are about to lose our work permits, then we're back into this limbo of not having anything at all. What are your feelings right now about what just happened with uh, DACA? Um, so I have been involved in this for a long time. This is not new. We knew that DACA was not temporary. It was really hard, uh, made me very angry and very frustrated at myself because I felt like I could have been organizing, I could have been talking to people, we could have like be ready to respond. Um, we knew this like in November when um, the president, whoever he's, whatever his name is, uh, won, right? But that was my reaction because I've been involved for so long. For my sister, um, she went into a panic attack. She's a single mom. She was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need my job. They're going to fire me. Um, for my parents, they're like, we've been undocumented before. We got this. Like, <laughs> y'all, like, we uh, somos fuertes, somos trabajadores, somos, es, le vamos a echar ganas, right? But so at this point right now, after the, like, the, the, the people that I, that helped organize the uh, Protection for All um movement march the fact that i was organizing with them to put together that like really helped me relieve a lot of the tension a lot of the anger into something productive because we're like i'm not gonna sit here and just not do nothing i'm gonna go and i'm gonna organize and i'm gonna give them hell and this is gonna be a fight but it's not just gonna be a fight for me it's gonna be a fight for everyone i understand but for some people they're not there yet 
for a lot for a lot of people this is like real this means that they're going to lose their jobs that they could potentially lose um, the means by which they're paying uh, for the college education uh, or even if they're not in college if they're still in high school it means that it's going to be even more difficult for them um, so for that reason uh, protection for all movement has also with our allies created information for them to get uh, mental health services, right? Because if you need to be in a group to talk about this or you need any type of support, you can go and find out more information about this so that you take care of yourself, your mind, and your body so that you can go out and fight uh, and organize. How, um, how did Protection for All movement react uh, after this? So we actually... Like, Protection for All movement didn't exist before the announcement or exist for, like, a week before that. Um... We, like I said, many of us had been involved in this before. So many of us had, are organizers by trade. We work for not-for-profit organizations are organizing to advocate for the rights of uh, either the Latino community or low-income communities. Um, many of them are younger and they're in college. So we just literally called each other up and said, like, let's have a meeting. And we brought our allies um, and um, many undocumented people, we created two rooms. One with, was just like people who were directly impacted and watched, that was just allies. And we said like, what, can I, no, I can't curse. What are we gonna do here? <laughs> and. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so, my, I don't think my mom is listening. I didn't tell her I was coming, so we're good. <laughs> and we, so what we did is like, so what do we do? So we're going to do what we do, do best. We're going to go and we're going to show them that we're strong and that we're going to stand up against this. Um, and, yeah, with the support of, uh, of different of our allies, we said we are going to keep control of the narrative. What we believe is right is that, yes, we want to defend DACA, and, yes, we want to defend the Dreamers. And we also depend want to defend our parents. We also want to defend... Uh, everyone else who is not an age student, who is not a worker, who is who may have a record for possession of something, like for whatever reasons, it's not just us. We are a community, and a community means that you fight for the most vulnerable, and that was the reasoning behind um, protection for all movement. Hmm. Any other questions you guys have for Maria? Just really a comment. I totally agree uh, with like kind of this reasoning. Uh, or how you explain, like, the idea of dreamers. Because oftentimes, like, the media gets so caught up on, like, these outstanding students calling them dreamers, and they forget that their parents were the ones that made them, right? It was their parents, w the ones that, like, brought them here and, like, raised them to be who they are today. And oftentimes, their parents are criminalized in the media. Or there's also this narrative, and I've heard it a lot from, like, fellow dreamers as well, which sometimes hurts my heart, but I understand that not everyone's in the same place, when they're like, well, I didn't choose to come here, right? My parents brought me. And that kind of rhetoric is kind of really hurtful towards their parents, right? Mm -hmm. That did so much to bring them here for them to now say like, oh, well, it's not my fault. My parents just did it. My parents just brought me here. I yeah. didn't choose. And then I think like we're missing like a huge part of the conversation, right? Because like, how do you get 12 million undocumented people in the United States? I mean, many of us didn't come, like, I, well, I did come with my parents, but many didn't come with their parents. Many came, like, as young adults to look for work. And 
who is asking the question like why are these people leaving their countries that they love so much and their family to come to the United States and so we have to ask like what is it that's happening like what happened in the 90s what happened in the 80s what happened before then and we start to we need to start questioning like why is it that these problem became so large. And if you start looking at the laws that have been passed, then you start realizing that it's like messed up. The fact that if even if let's say that if I came here and um, and I tried to apply and I get married to a US, U.S. citizen and I tried to get papers, if I didn't come here with a visa, I have a 10-year ban. And immigration is going to tell me, great that you got married. You want to get papers? You have to go back to your home country for 10 years before you can come back, right? Mm -hmm. Or if I am a U.S. citizen and I want to petition for my brother or my sister, that that is going to take 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. So like, and then, but that's like the process itself and the laws that are just like completely wrong. But then thinking about how like the United States mm -hmm. And many other countries have signed into agreements like NAFTA, um, where there was a lot of money that went into subsidizing the agricultural business here in the United States, where the, and I'm going to use the example of Mexico, where the workers in Mexico, then um, uh, the farm workers, obreros? they couldn't, los obreros, they, they couldn't compete. Um, they were not having, they were not able to, sh to sell their, sh their, their crops at a competitive rate and they lost their businesses and they needed to look for work and where did they find jobs they found it here so when we're thinking of the millions of workers that have been displaced from our home countries in Mexico and Latin in Latin America because of these economic policies and then they we give them jobs here and we exploit them and we use them and then once we don't want them and we want to use them as political pawns. And we tell them, I don't want you here anymore. Go back. It's like, you're not taking any responsibility for what you did. And so that's what we need to question. Because it's not just even about the dreamer narrative anymore. It's like, why do we have 12 million undocumented immigrants? Yeah, definitely. And even speaking now about... Uh, immigration also from other parts of Latin America that are escaping violence mm -hmm. thinking about what created these violent groups and um, mm -hmm. also like the interference the government interference that the United States had in other countries especially in Latin America mm -hmm. why did they essentially really put like dictatorships in place in certain parts and really like you said not them them not taking any responsibility for the situation that is happening and also this big huge ignorance of what citizenship or that citizenship process looks like mm -hmm. a lot of people one of their biggest arguments is like well why don't you just become a u.s citizen and they don't realize that like to apply to citizenship you need to have like a spouse or like a family member they don't understand how long that takes they also don't understand that like you said the legal entry the money like it, that's a big one um even to renew daca a lot of people think that it's just done for free but you need to pay a fee every two years when that was mm -hmm. in place uh, to renew it. And even $165. Yes, and it's a lot. And aside from that, if you maybe live in a place where there isn't an organization that can help you fi file DACA, then you're going to have to pay an attorney if you live in an area like that. And, and that just gets more difficult now when opportunities like, like DACA are getting removed from us where... 
like because of DACA, we're able to work and we're able to have some sort of income either for education or survival needs. Um, and now, even like more than ever, it's going to be difficult to even think about like citizenship or even thinking thinking about like other routes of becoming um, a citizen or permanent resident um, or even just like have more uh, of a status to to have more opportunities in this country. So yeah, I, I agree. And I just want to say that it's really inspiring um, to have you and and hear like what what you've done um, with um, with the protection for all movement. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and I think I would just tell you like I wasn't I like when I was in high school I said that I was a dreamer. I didn't think it was a problem. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but, you know, I started hanging out with, like, people who were also fighting for this. And I learned from them the good things and the bad things and the bad things I'm trying to unlearn, right? Um, but it is fairly easy. Like, the thing about power and, like, power, the definition of power is the ability to create, control, or prevent change. And the way that we can build power is by organizing people, and organizing money, because if you have a lot of money, like you can also organize. But like, if you, like when you're organizing people, organizing people means like bringing everyone who share your same, same interest. Like everyone who believes the way that the things that you do have your same values, who are, have like the same vision, you bring them together. Because the march that we had, um, was it on Tuesday? Mm -hmm. I can't even remember. Yeah, on Tuesday. It would have mm -hmm. been completely different we didn't have permits to go on the street and march, mm -hmm. okay? Because we were not expecting that many people. We were like, we're going to do a press conference with, like, 50, like, maybe 200 people. Yeah, and it was also, over. like, you weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. Right. So, like, that was, like, an emergency yes. protest. And then, like, 2,000 or 3,000 people showed up, yeah. and we took the streets because they could not stop us. That's what organizing is. That's, mm -hmm. the pe that's people power, right? And so... When you're in your, in your school, whether it's middle school or high school or college, like get together with your peers and you say, we want to schedule a meeting with our principal and we want to make sure that they're going to protect us in case ICE is trying to show up to our door. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that our principal is saying to uh, undocumented students and students of color that we're going to be safe and we're not, we're not going to not allow the police in here. Uh, or ICE. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that uh, our teachers know that if someone is dealing with depression or any other kind of thing, that we have a group that is going to support them because these are things that matter to us and we can do it. All you got to do is create, have a pizza party. I don't know. And bring <laughs> everyone together and say, like, what are we going to do? Um, yeah. It is, it takes time. It's tiring, but it is possible. We are already doing it uh, when we're gathering with our friends. Think about who is your friend. Your mm -hmm. friends are people that you care for, and they care for you because you think alike, right? Those are the people that y'all should be organizing with, and we all can do it. Yeah, and from my understanding, and this might segue into the next topic of um, forms of protest, like, I want to ask you, do you think organizing, having a pizza party, um, even just, like, emailing your principal, do you think that's a form of protest? Like, in my definition, that is, but I wanted to see what everyone's opinion is, or what do you think different forms of protests, or what does protest mean in general? And, like, as people 
who uh, have the privilege to protest on the street mm-hmm. without risk, what what happens to the people who can't um, go on the streets because of these risks? Like I, I, don't know, I just wanted to start that conversation with with everyone. Why don't y'all tell me what is your form of pro- yeah. protest? Well, I. I Go ahead. Uh, well, I think that even just coming out of the shadows and saying that you're undocumented mm-hmm. is a form of protest mm-hmm. because they try to hide you and kind of brush you under the rug. And that was like my experience a lot in high school where I went to a school that was highly diverse um, and undocumented students didn't really like say I'm undocumented. As a matter of fact, I didn't know that some of my fellow peers were undocumented until they actually got to college with full rides. And it did hurt me because I felt that um, it was sort of like a thing of like, well, I'm not going to tell because if I tell, like, why would I? Like, I'm an achieving student and it's just my own thing. But if more people had like reached out, maybe they're the principal would have been more open to all these problems that undocumented people mm-hmm. had in the community, but they didn't. And so I feel like coming out of the shadows is a form of protest because they have to deal with you, whether they want to or not, whether they agree with the immigration policies or not, you are part of their institution and they need to protect you and they need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite form, from, forms of protest is music. And, uh, I've really learned a lot from punk bands, ska bands, and we also have Quinta right here, who's part of a, a cumbia slash uh, rap band. That's what it's <laughs> hip hop, <laughs> and um, they have really good songs. And I mean, bands like Scape, they also talk about a lot about uh, resistance. This other uh, death metal band from Mexico called Brujeri, like from other, uh, from other times before, like what Pete Wilson did before, and they had a lot of songs. There's uh, obviously punk bands, they all talk about a lot of protests. And uh, I mean, I'm all influenced by music, and I think this uh, form of protest is really powerful because, like, who doesn't like music, you know? And then when they see the message of it, like, they realize, like, what's happening or, like, what what can, what can they do and uh, all this stuff. And uh, it's just something I've learned since... Since a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess my form of protest is um, making art. Um, as, as an artist, I, um, and also like the ways that I do it um, and with the people that I do it with, um, like currently I'm, I'm trying to create a, um, a small collective of artists who identify with this status of being undocumented and how can we create projects that bring um, people together, and um, to form projects that that can resist, um, to to create awareness to even like not not just people who who might be allies, but people who are totally against the idea of immigration or like who are very anti-immigrant um, and and DACA. Um, so so yeah. So I think that for me that's a form of protest and even just like. Like dancing, you know, getting to, uh, together, like you know, same as like creating a pizza party, like taking over uh, like a park and just um, and dancing and just like knowing that we exist, l- letting everyone know that we exist is a form of protest. Um, and like from my experience, too, I, I, I didn't know a lot of undocumented people when I was um, like until after actually high school. And I didn't even know the consequences 
I had or like the risk that I had if um uh, for, for being undocumented and until my senior year when I started to look into colleges I was like oh this means I can't apply to the school that I really want to and like why and and then I started to really like wrap my head around all of this um so yeah I, I agree with you Marimar on, on like that like coming of awareness um but right now we're gonna take a short break and we'll get into more forms of protest thank you yep. hello we are Yola Kali what's up so we're back here um yes so protest protest <laughs> sorry <laughs> protest um so so yeah so I, I i believe i encourage um people to find different resources um to 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 find ways of um of different protests if even if it means like just going to a friend and maybe even talking about this or googling stuff on how to create a group or how to even just like reach out to people, people who probably aren't affected by the decision that was made on Tuesday, maybe, um, and don't even, uh, and, and who are like born citizens or citizens in, in general to, to reach out and find resources for people that they might know, um, to, um, to, to help them out. Um, yeah, and I also want to talk about, re- or uh, Maria, do you have something? Yeah, to say? I just was going to say regard- on regards to protest, like yeah. it's important for us to ask, like, what am I protesting? Yeah. And who is my target? So, like, I am protesting because I believe that these laws are unjust, and so who is my target? And so thinking of that determines what kind of protest you're going to engage in, right? Mm -hmm. Because the protest that you're going to engage in or your tactic, it depends on who is it that is causing this harm, right? And so sometimes it it may mean, like, with our elected officials, what hurts them the most, Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Votes. <laughs> votes, yeah, votes. Votes <laughs> yes. and money. Well, yeah, I like, can't vote, so I don't know. That's <laughs> what they want, ultimately. is like they want to get reelected, right? Yeah, yeah. And to get reelected, they need people people power, they need votes, mm-hmm. and then they also need money to run their campaign. That's true. Yeah. Right? So, like, if I'm protesting them, what am I going to do? I'm going to put them on blast on the media. I'm going to call the office until they, they tell me, like, stop calling me because, like, I need to actually do some work. <laughs> um, I'm going to sit down and do a pizza party outside of their office and stay there all night. Mm-hmm. Because when we think about the power of protest and the power of organizing is that it actually helps you get change happen, right? We all think that DACA, DACA didn't just happen. President Obama, when he uh, announced the executive decision, it didn't just happen because he woke up one day and said, like, I'm going to help this, like, 800,000 undocumented youth. What happened was that actually here in Chicago, there was a group of youth who sat down, who did, who were undocumented, and they risked deportation by doing civil disobedience, sitting on streets, sitting inside offices, and chaining um, themselves to the chairs and to the furniture of elected officials because that was the only way of protest that those elected officials were going to listen to. Mm-hmm. Had these students just sat on um, on the sidelines with chants and posters, it would have been powerful for some of them, but it would have not moved at all, the elected officials. It took for them to risk their lives, literally, for us to get DACA. Yeah. So protest. Protest, yeah. Thank you. Um, I also want to um, tap into resources. 
um, because I know a lot of people don't might not have all those resources. And I, w- I wanted to like get an idea like what resources do y'all reach out to, whether it's a friend, a principal, or even just an organization. Um, yeah, so I don't may, may, maybe you want to chime in real quick be, before you you have to go, Maria. Yeah. So uh, the Protection for All Movement page is on Facebook, and we'll be posting updates there. You can inbox us if you have any questions, and we can definitely um, send you resources that you can uh, go to. Right now, um, Natividad, I'm pretty sure, is going to talk a little bit more about the resources that are mm-hmm. there available. Uh, Protection for All Movement is raising funds for whoever needs to renew they're DACA before uh, October 5th, and they don't have the money. Um, we're going to be raising funds. Um, the Mexican consulate is going to cover for those who are Mexican uh, nation, uh, nationals. Uh, but for those who are not Mexican, because there's undocumented immigrants who are yeah. not Mexican, um, mm-hmm. they can come to organizations like us. Um, and uh, if you have any questions about mental health, uh, Salud Sin Papeles, uh, follow them on um, Facebook as well. Um, they can also... Uh, give you resources on how to get mental health, especially right now. But I'm sure Natividad can tell you more about like some of those resources that sure. are available. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me no here. No problem. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll share all of the information you just said on on somewhere in social media. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you.
aprendido a sufrir por trabajar Por me trago mis dolores, por el futuro de mi hogar Para mandarle a mi jefita, para que estudie mi carnalito Porque quiero que sea alguien y no viva lo que vivo Ellos me dan la fuerza que necesito Pa' que mi corazón no siga roto Por ellos sigo, sigo y mi donchera llevo sus memorias y sus fotos This is our story This sounds very little, I wrote this book the language No different from my friends, they separate my papers My parents always told me Ten orgullo de tu gente And take an opportunity Que pasen por el frente This is what I believe in And we are back, okay? And our next guest is Natividad Hernandez. She is an accredited representative of Frida Kahlo Organization. And she has worked with immigration for many years now, right? Um, and she works very specific kind of branch of immigration. So can you explain to us a little bit about your role and what you do? Hi, uh, my name is Natividad Hernandez. Just like she said, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I was undocumented in this country for about 23 years. When uh, Maria was talking, I was just thinking back into my own experience in this country. And um, at the time that uh, I came, we never thought that we were going to stay here forever. Mm. We came thinking that this is the best country in the world. I am still thinking that this is the best country in the world, but it happens to have the worst government of all. Mm. And that is what I, uh, it makes me sometimes uh, really think about what I'm doing every day. Uh, Frida Kahlo is a non-for-profit organization. Uh, it was created out of the um, passion that our, our friends had in um, helping people in and um, helping people become a better 
in their own way. I was just listening to you, and it was amazed to me to hear all of you in the way you are protesting every day and every second of your life just by being here in a different setting, uh, in a different social setting, in a different media uh, uh, a message. And I feel so proud of, of all you, all of you. Um, when I, I start uh, working with immigration, I was looking for my own for my own uh, benefit. And um, it was very hard. We didn't have the money to pay an attorney. Um, bad people that gave us bad uh, 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 information. And this is a country of loss, of loss, and we do have to respect the laws, like in family, we do have to respect what parents, the discipline and everything. Uh, so I start just learning about immigration because of my own need to become or to have a, 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 a legal status in this country. Um, through the schools in the Chicago area, I participate so much in, we were not organizing pizza parties. <laughs> <laughs> we were organizing cookie sales Yay. as parents. <laughs> I never wanted to do that. I said, I'm a parent who does not sell cookies. Mm -hmm. I am a parent who goes and asks the principal, how can he help my old fellow parents to bring resources and learn and learn English. And, and so that, that helps me not being afraid of the immigration status that I had for many years. Um, I started volunteering for a, a non-for-profit, and then I, I got to know my friends. So Frida Kahlo was created in 2002. We are a Department of Justice recognized 501c3 organization. That means that the Department of Justice has reviewed our credentials and they allow, to, they allow us to say, to come to these places and provide immigration information. Uh, and then we are uh, accredited reps which it means that we went through a series of uh, learning uh, um, experiences to put in practice the immigration law in this country. The, I am partially accredited, which means that I can represent people uh, to apply for immigration benefits at the administrative way, uh, level of immigration but there's fully accredited representatives who represent people in court and in deportation proceedings. Um, what, what, I, what we do at Frida is like, what is it that um, it took me to learn about how to become a permanent resident that I can transfer to anybody? And it's, believe it or not, it's information. It's just information. So we have a red of, of schools. We go through schools. We try to teach parents not to be afraid of, say, immigration, not to be afraid of show who we are. When you were, guys were talking about protesting, I, I, I protest every day. Every time I help a person, I make them feel better in this country, become what we were looking for. Maybe people younger... It's hard. My age, I, it's, it gives me a sense of more experience. And uh, 
the parents, like your parents, the ones that are going to organization to learn, for us to tell them, this is our country, we're here, we're not gonna leave, no, we're not gonna uh, go back ever. Uh, our children are here, whether they're dreamers, whether they're whatever they are, this is our home and we're, we're here to stay. Mm-hmm. So what are we gonna do if we're here to stay? Then we're gonna try to work out the loss. We're gonna try to see who has the benefit for, and we're gonna help that people one by one to apply for benefits. Right now, for example, we're helping the DACAs, but we do much more. We try to help people to become a U.S. citizens, to apply for U visas, to uh, uh, um, to become a permanent residence to uh, do their processing through the uh, embassy to the American consulates in different countries. And uh, we do it in a very professional way and in a very uh, um, not expensive way. Just to mention, because of the practicality of this, um, at Frida, we have a charge, a a nominal fee for for, uh, benefits. The, the biggest amount of money that we charge is sometimes $500, which represents the 10% of what any attorney charge the minimum in any case. The least expensive attorney charge $5,000. Plus, there's a lot of bad people around that um, I don't want to say still but they try to steal our dreams our money and the notarios people that are, has no no um, legal uh, knowledge about the law that uh, um, give bad information and they charge mm-hmm. um, it helped me to go directly to to get the information it helped me I became a permanent resident because of that and I am, uh, right now I feel so, so um, uncomfortable with, with the government and the way they're managing in, uh, let's, uh, let's face it, we have a, a, a Congress that is not doing anything. We have a president that he doesn't really know nothing about what he's doing. He's just lost. He's a complete lost. Um, plus, we have the local leaders that are for, in a way they tell us that they're helping us, but they have their own rules to get money. And that we, if we receive some money, we have to give something back to them. I, I feel very proud to say that we as an organization never, we, we work out with politicians, but we, we never compromise our mission. We receive money from uh, uh, parts of the government, but we never receive money from a, from a public official, so then we have to pay back. So um, that's what I do every day. I am very uh, practical in the way I, I, I live, and um, I try to help the most number of people. Um, I resist this system very much in a very peaceful way. I do like you guys, okay? I do like people who go and scream to the government. I do like people who go and 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 uh, make noise. I, I really think that everybody is needed in this system. 
Uh, but the way I do it is one by one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you do a lot now, and you are also very knowledgeable. Now, if someone has DACA, and as of Tuesday, they're like, you know, they terminated this program. It's kind of tricky because there's this six-month period that they're talking about. What does someone that is currently a DACA recipient, what are the next steps? What are the next legal steps? The first thing we have to understand, and we must be very clear, be aware but not afraid, okay? Every DACA that is in this country, every parent of a DACA that is in this country, every undocumented person that is in this country has a right to a due process. Everybody. So people who talk about sending 800,000 undocumented DACAs outside the country, they don't really know what they're talking about. This country does not have the means to arrest 100,000 people and put them in a system that is broken. The immigration laws are broken. So the way we're working out is finding out benefits, but if anybody is arrested right, right here outside the street, they have a right to a due process. They have a right to, be, to have their chance in court. Every person who has been here for more than 10 years, who has good moral character, good moral character, I may say, se portaron bien, but they may have an arrest because of traffic. Mm -hmm. They may have something, okay? Uh, that we really need to, to look at, for me, but uh, moral uh, character is like, you may have an arrest that is not bad, uh, even when you were under 18, you may, but no drugs. And at, at saying that, even if you do have things like that, you can always work it out. So if you've been here 10 years, you have the moral character. You do have a family member, okay, who is a, a permanent resident of a U.S. citizen. You can apply for cancellation of removal which allow you to stay, which allow you to fight the government. And that's what I think, I really believe we have to fight. We don't have to be afraid. When I came to this country, I thought that I was the only legal, uh, undocumented person in this country. I, I didn't want anybody to know that. Uh, I, I feel afraid of going out. Now I feel comfortable going out and saying, well, we're just here to stay, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, then, DACAs in specific, um, the deferred action means I know you're here. I'm going to defer you from taking you out. Um, and that's why from the beginning I didn't like that idea of deferred action. Um, and at the time that I want to, because it's a, it's a, a, a presidential order and an executive order, um, at the time that uh, that happened, we knew that if something happened political, it, everything was going to change. Okay? So, saying that, 
Social securities, when they're given to us with DACA, they're forever. They're there with their for us, with us forever. They don't have an expiration date, okay? So if we're gonna be rebels, we have to be rebels in everything. I tell, I told children at Frida, don't be afraid. Don't tell your employer that your DACA is gonna expire. They don't have to know. If they come and ask you there's something different. You know what I mean? Um, we have a date. You know, we have a, a October 5th is the date that we can still send in renewal DACAs that are going to be expiring till March 5th, 2018. So we can send all the renewals. We're not sending initials. We're not sending anybody who um, they forgot to renew it and they just expired like a week ago. That's it, okay? Um, what's going to happen after I really hope that the Congress does something. We have right now five legislations in the in Congress. We have the Dream Act. We have one from uh, these people who is uh, all of them are Republicans, and I believe that they have a little more chance. Um, but regardless of what we have or what they pass, I don't think we have to feel afraid because we're already here, you know. We already here. This is home. This is where we live, and we're just gonna keep keep doing what we do. Um, there's a lot of resources. I was just coming here, and I forgot to bring the information. Uh, the Resurrection Project is gonna have a uh, something on Tuesday at Benito Juarez. It's gonna help people who doesn't have money to pay DACA. Uh, they're gonna allow them, uh, give them the money. It's in the evening. Maybe you want to check it out. Okay. Now. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm sorry. I just want to chime in and g give those dates. Um, yeah, so the Resurrection um, Project will mm -hmm. have DACA Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. um, they say get informed, get legal help, get involved. Um, yeah, at Benito Juarez, uh, September 12th, um, the address for Benito Juarez is 1415 Western Mac Road, and it starts at 530. Um, I'm pretty sure they'll give out more information mm -hmm. and probably more legal um, steps. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I'll be there with some some students. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another question that I had: um, I left the country with advanced parole uh, last year, the end of last year. If you have an advanced parole that is valid until let's say March 5th, should you use that advanced parole or should just you just this you I would just dissuade every, anyone from leaving. I really believe nobody has to go out right now with the advance parole. Advance, advance parole means that the officer that review your application think that you can you are allowed maybe to come back, but who really gives you the right to enter is the officer at the at the at the airports, the ICE officers at the border. And they may deny advanced paroles. We have a, a, an applicant who no criminal record, nothing. And he has his advanced parole approved, and he went out to Mexico on the way back. They stopped him at the border, and they sent him back to Mexico, even with the advanced parole. That is not legal, okay? That is not legal. We can say that he has the advanced parole, no criminal record, 
The problem is that with this dumb president that we have, with this guy talking about issues that they don't even know, it creates a sense of racism, maybe, the officers. I've been seeing that with the, the work I do every day. It used to be the times that I sent an application, and it was kind of processed in a very nice time. Right now, everything is slow. Um, it's bad, but it's because of the, the social feelings that we're having right now with this guy. That it goes mm-hmm. far away from who's legal, who's legal. That is, it, it goes far away. It goes to deep inside of discrimination against people like us. Mm-hmm. It, it it goes far to to the the way white people thinks that we should be here or not, and they they think because the president allows some uh, bad whites to say that they have the right to decide who's here that makes everyday tasks different in the way we process in applications. Yeah, it's, it's almost like um, the president is giving people who have this kind of agency to, or like kind of even control on what like these processes, like the right to, to like, yeah, let's make this slower for them because um, because of the color of the skin or where they come from or because they might be criminals. So, yeah, so I, I think I think ever since this new administration started, things have been, people have felt like they have more agency to do th- um, mm-hmm. bad things. Mm-hmm. So and, and I think that's what you're trying to say, mm-hmm. that you've noticed mm-hmm. that in this legal process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's interesting to to know mm-hmm. because... I I I I applied for my uh, for my DACA, and um, I got my biometrics done. And I think it takes like a week or two to get the renewal. Now I'm waiting a month. It's been a month, and I'm afraid that like by December 17 of 2017 of this year, I won't get it. And like, what does that mean if I don't get it before my expiration date? So, yeah, I, I I'm. I'm glad that you that that you said that you started noticing things. So maybe that there's ways to push back on that or bring mm-hmm. awareness to people mm-hmm. who have some kind of control um, to speed up the process. Yeah. Sorry, Marima, do you have something to say? Um, no, I think those were like pretty much my uh, questions. Um, now, for the people that cannot send an initial request, um, what tips would you give them? So these uh, students that have been waiting for their 16th birthday so they can submit their application, and now that they're 16, they can't. What would you tell them? Keep learning. Keep learning. Every piece of knowledge that you put in your mind is yours forever. Um, feel safe. This is home. Regardless of the status that we, we, we may have, this is home. This is where we live. I I said to, to the parents at the schools, who is the owner of the bed that you're sleeping every day? It's you, right? Well, then mm. sleep tight <laughs> and, re, and, and, and rest peacefully because that's who, what we are. We're here. We're not going to leave. Don't be afraid of going out because you did not apply for DACA. Don't be afraid because your DACA is going to expire soon. Don't be afraid. I know so many talented people who had no, no 
legal status in this country that are so talented that um, I don't think it's good for anybody to feel bad because we don't have a document that says that we're here legally. We, we have to understand that uh, there's bad people who didn't like us and that's, that, that's the right. But when I hear the, the, the term dreamers, I really like the term dreamers. I became a dreamer, even that I arrived here like 30 years ago. But I still believe many of your parents came to this country looking for a better opportunities while we're here. Sometimes it makes me feel bad when I people think, oh, I cannot go to the school right there on the north side because it's far. Well, you came from another country. <laughs> you walked through a border. And how come? You know what I mean? So don't expect nobody to give you anything. Just keep keep living, keep fighting, keep learning. If you're a good student, if you're not so good, just keep being yourself. Keep being um, your own, you know? I, I really like, I don't like the idea of, of uh, feeling bad or victimizing myself because I have no legal status. So what? No, no, no. Um, I just want to make sure about some facts that I have to give to DACAS, maybe. Uh, uh. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. War permits uh, that are going to be expiring, if, like yours, mm -hmm. that is going to be expiring. And because they're going to receive so many applications that it's going to slow down the process. Mm -hmm. They are to be extended if you submit it on time for six months after the expiration date. And you read your notice of action letter, and that information is right there, okay? Mm -hmm. Social securities are with you forever. So... Driver's license, we do going to have a little problem with the driver's license because this uh, state government started giving us the driver's license only for the time that the permit was. Uh, if the work permit is for two years, the driver's license is going to be issued for two years. And then we're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. We are having the problem right now because of at, all, at our office, people come and, and tell me, you know what? My, my work permit is expiring in two months, and I went to renew my driver's license, and they just tell me, no, bring a new one. So we're going to have the problem, that problem. So we can just start, um, and it isn't the information that I brought. Advanced parole, please don't go out. Don't go out because I don't, I, I don't think they really understand the legalities of the advanced parole. Look for legal assistance. If you are a, a, a DACA, it's going to be expired, go to a non-for-profit organization, go to an attorney and ask questions. How come if, if I, what happened if I, my mother, somebody applied for my, by my father? Sometimes we were just talking to people, we found out benefits. So don't stop there, okay? Um, criminal issues. Criminal issues are always going to be on our back if, the government is always going to be looking for bad things. So if you had a mistake mm -hmm. in your life, make sure you have the documents that, that are needed. And in case that if we have to go to court, we can show that you make a mistake, but you did pay for that mistake. 
um, know your rights. Uh, you know you do not have to open the door. You know that you do have to ask for uh, identifications. Do not sign anything. Those little things that are very practical become tools of defense in case we are stopped by by anybody who doesn't want us here, okay? Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you so much. That was a lot of information, and uh, I think everyone on the other end of the radio was noticing that we were were very quiet listening to you because you bring so much information, so much knowledge and inspiration that we we want to, we we really wanted to listen, and we would listen to you. So thank you you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Now we're going to go on a break. Stay tuned. Hello, we are Yola Kali. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? And we're back uh, with, uh, with What's Up. And right now, we're just going to come back to our uh, conversation. We have a special guest with us. And his name is Quintiliano Rios Perez. Am I right? Sí, yeah. sí. Uh, <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, my name is Quintiliano Rios Perez. I'm a post-secondary coordinator and document student advisor at the Little Village London High School through Enlace Chicago. And I've been working there for four years and a half. And throughout uh, our community schools, we are partnered partnered with different schools, uh, the high school campus being one of them, uh, where we provide uh, services for community schools, which is after school programs and for parents and families. And also we have the Avanza program, which is a program where actually Jennifer and and Brian graduated from, where we do counseling one-on-one in regards to post-secondary planning. And uh, we focus in admit students. Uh, one of our biggest uh, issues is um, immigration or uh, working with students who are undocumented. So we work with any student, uh, provide one-on-one support to have that additional uh, support that they might not necessarily get through the counselors since the counselors had to do with 500, 600 students. So uh, that's the work that I do through Enlace Chicago. Okay, so I have a question for you right now. What would be like the steps that schools are going to take, uh, like, for example, a school you work on, to help uh, young people, like documenting young people? Yeah, so first of all, it's important to know that uh, the Chicago Public Schools has told principals uh, all the way back from uh, on February that they should not allow any immigration enforcement agents in uh, in the schools without a criminal warrant. And that if that was the case, that they should contact the legal department at, at Chicago Public Schools uh, to sort it out. So it's important for the community to know that the schools are, are a safe space. Uh, now, in regards to, and this has been going on since there's been different changes in, in enforcement priority and uh, just a lot of uh, fear in the community. Uh, now with the DACA announcement, definitely there's a lot of figuring out going on at the school. But uh, I, with other partners, are coordinating a, a task force in, in the campus, at the Little Village and the high school campus, and we are getting together with teachers and counselors and principals to to develop a campaign to uh, make sure that we support the students. So um, we are we are all doing work from different different um, 
parts, and that's really good. Now we just need to really sit at one table and actually coordinate to make sure that we're using the best of all resources and the best sort of the resources in the community. So definitely um, there's talks within Enlace uh, Chicago and uh, the larger neighborhood part where we might be able to create a fund or support some of these funds for those people who need to renew their scholarship, I'm sorry, renew their deferred action applications. Uh, that's still in the works. Uh, we are planning to do it through um, a fundraiser effort, selling a couple of t-shirts that we've been uh, selling for or, or Dreamers Who Need a Scholarship that Enlace has also for, for the students at Farragut and the Little Village Landa campus. Um, there's also an info session uh, earlier on. Your guests shared about something going on with the Resurrection Project. Enlace Chicago is doing an info session in regards to uh, DACA and the implications. So uh, this is more about for people who had those questions, what's going on, uh, those specific questions. We're going to have uh, in collaboration with the Community Activism Law Alliance uh, on Monday uh, from 6 to 8 at the Second Federal Savings Bank. Now this is on 26 and Pulaski. Uh, the address is 3960 West 26th Street. Um, and we are going to be there uh, as as far as answering questions. We're going to have a person from uh, from Cala to be able to answer those questions. So there's definitely a lot of things going on at the same time, and that's good. Now it's just a matter of coordinating those efforts and making the best out of them. Yeah, it's great that we have a lot of like uh, all these resources resources that we could go through. But what can you tell for those like who can't? Uh, Renew DACA anymore, or what message would you give to the youth right now? Yes, yeah, so definitely uh, working with undocumented youth, regardless, uh, let's not forget that there's been students who never qualify for DACA. Let's not uh, forget that our parents are still in limbo, uh, even though the conversation has shifted into just uh, the undocumented youth and the dreamers. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what I do tell the students, and it might sound as cheesy as, as uh, any quote, but keep working on your education because uh, you can still go to school without a uh, social security number. Uh, you don't have to have citizenship to attend any college. Uh, you have the Illinois Dream Fund that has been working uh, towards uh, providing scholarships. Now, the amount of scholarships is, is not as, as uh, satisfying as, as the need is, but it's something going on. Uh, so you have, especially in Chicago, many institutions who have their own documented student support services. Uh, let's talk about Northeastern uh, Illinois University with yeah. Luvia Moreno, who's the undocumented uh, student support services uh, person uh, director. And uh, you have um, you have colleges like uh, Arupe College that are making an active effort of, of uh, helping students get an education regardless of their immigration status. Um, so there's all these things that are going on. So it's easy to get lost in the picture of the larger national conversation and having all this uh, sentiment, anti-immigrant sentiment, but also look at your local, local level. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, we just had um, the mayor develop a task force uh, to make sure to tackle uh, how to answer, how to respond to to what's going on with DACA, and in Chicago we are really, really, um, really. It's a friendly city. Uh, it's a sanctuary city, and even then we still had to fight to improve those things. For example, the sanctuary city ordinance, which states that um, Chicago police officers cannot collaborate with um, with immigration officers. It still has a couple of conditions. One of them is if uh, if a person is put in a gang database, mm -hmm. 
And that's uh, really difficult because there's no criteria for someone to be in, a in the gang database. So, for example, me growing up in back of the yards, uh, also known for, for the violence, if I were ever stopped by a cop and just checked and then, you know, let go. Um, but if I was wearing a certain color, I would have my name would have been put down as uh, being part of a gang, uh, being part of the uh, gang database. So those are little carvals that we still need to improve in this city. Uh, however, we need to fight for those things because like everybody mentioned earlier on today, uh, organizing is power. You got to organize, uh, you got to keep fighting. And again, that didn't happen by itself. Uh, it was the result of young, young people uh, just forcing the government uh, in a re-election campaign uh, back then in Obama. Um, forcing the government to do something about it. So definitely don't lose hope. Keep getting your education because if, if you get your education and then something happens, there's an immigration reform, then you at least didn't lose all those years of uh, preparing yourself or getting a diploma or, or getting um, a college degree or a career, a certificate, right? And uh, definitely also, like uh, your guest earlier said, uh, just be yourself. You know, you're more than your, your legal status. Um, you don't have to be talented. You don't have to be a star student. You know, you just got to be yourself. And we, nef we definitely need people uh, uh, being themselves and not trying to excel at everything because definition, the definition of success is really, is really big. It, you know, you cannot attribute success to someone having a 4.0 GPA and a, and a diploma. You, I know amazing, successful, undocumented business people who who definitely school wasn't their thing, but look, they're making more money than I am, right? So <laughs> definitely just think about about it in a larger perspective. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have a question. Um, so re referring to, I mean, I, you, you talked about like that you work at, at a school. Um, I guess my question is, what are the certain tactics that you or other people from that school um, provides outreach, um, and and I and I know you you know like you host like um, information sessions and all that. But what about students who can't, who are afraid to come out of the shadow? Um, how do you, I guess, find out if they are undocumented? Mm -hmm. So then you can help because I know a lot of people are scared to even say like. Hey, I need help because I am undocumented. Hey, like I need help because my parents are undocumented and I'm scared for them. So like how do you build I guess that relationship with a student that you think? I mean cuz we, yeah, we, we I mean it's we, we we don't walk around with like uh like uh, like says something on our back that says, "Hey, I'm undocumented." Profiling people. Yeah, yeah, profiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we so like yeah. how how do you like I guess, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, that definitely that's uh, one of the biggest questions that I always get when I introduce the type of work that I do at uh, for new teachers, for new administration mm -hmm. within the campus. So uh, first of all, personally, within my Avanza program, uh, I share my story. I uh, They allow me to go into classrooms and say, hey, you know, um, I do this program. I work, I work with every uh, high school senior who wants to work with me, uh, but I also happen to know about immigration because I'm undocumented. So and I was a high school student just like yourself, mm -hmm. and I, although I wasn't ashamed about my status or I I wasn't really in the shadows to begin with, I know I do understand from my peers or other people that might not be comfortable talking about it. Um, so I share my story, kind of tell them my background, 
And something really important that I do is also share my my uh, my number. I have a, a, a work number uh, because a lot of uh, the young people are into texting and Snapchat and all that stuff. I haven't gotten into Snapchat and stuff, but <laughs> definitely sometimes um, it's really, really helpful if you don't want to see me face-to-face mm-hmm. to send me a message, right? Yeah. And you don't even have to tell me who you are. You just send me to your question, right? Now, obviously, I told you, I, I will tell the student, hey, stop by if you want to keep talking about this. There's all these resources. Mm-hmm. But I meet them at, at the level where they're at. Yeah. Um, that's my biggest thing with the with the newest uh, teachers and counselors. I tell them not to single out the undocumented students because they're, they're able to tell once FAFSA season passes, you know, there's students that don't, don't qualify for FAFSA. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we make sure to have that safe space. And I tell them mm-hmm. that, please, please, before referring them to me, have that conversation with them saying like, hey, um, you came to me telling me you're undocumented. We have this resource. It's enlace with Kinti. Is it okay if I reach out to him or he reaches out to you? The, then the student says, yes, that's fine. And then that's where I'm able to go and be like, hey, you mm-hmm. talk to your counselor. Uh, I have some a couple of things that I want you to look at. Uh, this is my information, my phone number. Uh, send me an email, whatever. Um, but definitely I try to avoid that because there's been other cases in other, in other schools where they just, uh, and it's pardon the use of the word, but they just round up the, the high school seniors who are undocumented mm-hmm. sitting down and they're like, okay, you're undocumented, you need resources. Oh. Now... <laughs> It's a it's a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. also as as bad as that sounds, also that may be beneficial might be beneficial for for some of those students because honestly, high school seniors are really busy. They're going through a lot of stuff. They're uh, sports activities, uh, prom, all these things going on. Mm, graduation, and graduation, yeah. and it's a difficult thing to to manage at, at mm-hmm. that age. So. Some of them don't really reach out, even if they need the help, because, you know, I remember I was a high school senior. I, I could barely complete my four high school, uh, college applications. Um, so definitely I meet them where they're at. Okay. And then it, it also helps out that um, I've worked with students be, uh, before. And it turns out that at the high school, especially at a small high school um, setting where, where I work at, I end up working with the brothers or sisters of the seniors that I that graduated two years ago, right? Mm. So I, I always tell my, uh, the seniors that I work with, hey, if you know someone who has a question, who asks you a question, let them know that I'm there. Uh, refer them to me or, or come with them. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, that solidarity of like, hey, you have this question. Kinti answered that question for me before, but I want you to meet Kinti and I'll go with you, right? Mm-hmm. So that that sense of collaboration and accompaniment, it's it's really needed for uh, working with your undocumented youth. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and so we're going to take a small break and we'll be back to have learn some more knowledge about next steps. Hey, what is up, guys? And we're back with uh, what's up here in Lumpen Radio. And we're gonna wrap up again uh, with Kinti, uh, Kinti Leno Rios Perez. That's my excuse. Thank you so much for letting me be here. Again, we have that uh, workshop informational session on uh, Monday at Second Federal Savings Bank from 6 to 8. And then if you need more information, follow Enlace Chicago on Facebook and also uh, reach out to the different people. You know, again, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to feel uh, afraid, but it's also it's okay to organize. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so now we are going to introduce our next guest, 
Hello, Chicanos. How are you? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so we have we have Jenny, Maya, Stephanie, and Camilo in the studio. Jackie. Oh, Jackie. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I like Jenny. Too. So, yeah. So m- maybe y'all want to introduce. I do like JLo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. M- maybe y'all want to introduce yourselves. Um, maybe like the type of music that you do, where you do it. Um, yeah, so we can get the conversation rolling. Yeah. Um, well, so we're Jaro Chicanos. Um, we're based out of Pilsen, but a lot of us are from different neighborhoods, um, Northside, um, Pilsen, of course, and Back of the Arts. Um, so, yeah, we've been a group. We've been together since 2008. Um, it was first a youth workshop wow. wanting to learn um, traditional music called Son Jarocho or Musica de Cuerdas, Musica de Campo, Musica de Jarana, de Huapango um, from Veracruz, Mexico. And yeah, so we've been together for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So um, I, I know you all are involved in a lot of the protests that happen mm-hmm. in the city regard, regarding like Latinx issues, uh, immigration issues. Um, why do you feel that that's very important? Like your presence or, or like not, um, the presence of the music is important at, at, at a protest? Um, mm mm-hmm. Or the, the the decisions that you make to to even just like say here we're gonna go to this one specifically because of so X reasons and all that. Well, yeah, f- uh, for sure. The music we play is um, it's based in responding to our environment and our reality. So mm-hmm. a lot of the verses that we sing, each of the sonas has its own theme. It might be like love for your family or um, romantic love or politics or your pol- political reality. Mm-hmm. So these are like general formats and general. It's a general art form that works for um, conveying the specific message that we need to convey. So it's whether it's like a DACA rally or it's like mm-hmm. the um, the queer f- uh, is the festival. It's it's always um, it's something that's from our culture and that expresses our identity. And so that's why it's so strong and that's why it needs to be in these spaces. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's like, um, you know, it's a lot of reasons. I think a lot of our backgrounds as well, um, you know, a lot of us are first generation here, second mm-hmm. um these are issues that are really important to us. A lot of us are in education, so that's why at like teacher marches or at labor stuff, you'll see us. Um, but yeah, it's it's our tool that we have um, from our culture that's a way to bring community together and um, unite because I think that that's, um, that's something that um, we feel like that's in itself is a protest, is using something from our culture, from our identity to bring us together, especially in this society, which is all about individualism and not collective, like not being like a collective or community based. And so from my understanding, y'all were at the protests on Tuesday, mm-hmm. correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your, your experiences there? Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I was I saw videos. I didn't make it out myself. Um, but yeah, if, if you uh, I mean, firsthand experiences. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we were at the protest on Tuesday. We've shown up. That's something, something that we've always been, because of our backgrounds, a lot of people that, um, that saw us grow and that helped us grow and that influenced us were activists and have been pushing us to protest. So almost for the 10 years that we've been together, we've been doing that. So on Tuesday, it was, it was beautiful. It was a march. They said that they were like more than double, triple than what they expected. It was really like a high turnout. Um, there were all sorts of people that were, you could see the intersectionality of, of uh, immigration. So people who were queer, mm-hmm. people who were young, people who were old, people who had different issues that tied in um, were speaking about their issues. And 
we were there with the music and singing the verses, and it was beautiful because it was like an exchange. Someone would talk a little bit, and then we would play, and we'd go back and forth and kind of be together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's just um, something that we're really passionate about. Uh, a lot of us work in, um, in immigration. Um, I'm a teacher, for example. Um, so a lot of my young people are undocumented. And, um, yeah, I think that these are things we've always been at and um, we're going to continue to be at. And I think a lot of our work that we do in the community is specifically ways to, you know, build each other together and um, going beyond just like people's like documentation status. And uh, What was your main motivation? So what made you guys come together and like think of this idea or like I guess like what is your purpose to go to to when we mm-hmm. went to the protest yes uh, overall going to the protest or what you do like your music oh, okay or, um or, or, or even just like um I know you um mentioned that the group first started off as like a workshop or classes mm-hmm. right and then like what how how did this like workshop and class transition into like more of more of a thing like music Music, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean so, yeah, music. So. Okay, music. well, there's, there's a lot of answers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. have, yeah. So we're gonna go with uh, for first uh, why we were there on Tuesday, and then we can work our work work our way back. Um, so basically, um, I think the an- the an- um, announcement was something really that really hurt us. So I think our purpose was there just to show support and love, and um, I I remember. I remember messaging the group like, yo, we're going, right? Because this music is what helps to like uplift and make people, um, it just makes people happy. Like it makes people feel good. It makes people feel like someone's there to um, support them. Um, And I know I needed it. um, And I know other people in the group do as well. Um, We're a very emotional group. So (laughs) Um, we're very passionate about a lot of things, especially like our people. And and that's kind of why we were there on Tuesday and why we come all the time with our instruments um, to sing songs and to sing versos that um, that speak to people and that make people um, feel um, that they are a part of something. Um, And I don't I don't want it to seem like we were once a youth workshop and then we became this like protest group. Um, it's, it's more of like people growing up and transitioning in, in their lives. Um, you got to think about it. Some of these, some of the people in the group, when they first started, they were 12, 13, and now they're 23, 24. Um, so growing together as a family, um, has, it definitely shows in the music that we play and definitely shows in like the things that we do as a, as, as a group. Um, we see ourselves as a collective, um, and we do a lot of things in the community, um, on the basis of like. Um, collective organizing so whether that's um, you know we help to run, run a summer camp called Sony Arte we have Talleres en la 18 which is free weekly, free weekly like Harana workshops um, this music in its context is supposed to be played in the Wapango the Fandango where it's a community gathering you can't have a Wapango or Fandango without community right so <laughs> that's why we do it um, and yeah, we love working with, we also work with uh, or another project of ours is Son Chiquitos, which is an early childhood immersion program around language, identity, and culture and music. And yeah, so we work with kids when they're born to 
older generation because that's the representation of our community. And um, it's not just about a youth thing or an older, like the viejos thing or, or anything like that. It's about what we're doing together. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and again, because um, I wasn't at the protest, but and I, I just saw videos. Yeah. I, I noticed that while you, y'all were playing, there was an experience where the people inside the correction center were mm-hmm. waving. I, wa- I wanted to hear how y'all felt about that and, and like, um, I guess, how everyone in, in, at the protest um, reacted to that moment. Because um, I think that's a powerful moment because a lot of people who are, um, like, assigned for uh, deportation go to that building and th- th- that's, like, their waiting um, spot. Um, so yeah, and so like for them to hear these people, to hear the music, to probably even recognize the music, like h- how was that experience, and or h- how how did y'all feel in that moment when they were when they responded in that way? Yeah, it was a pretty powerful moment. Um, people stopped and we we were chanting, "We love you." Uh, and like I said, I'm mm-hmm. a teacher, so I work. I used to work in an alternative high school. Um, a lot of the kids that we got were from like correctional um, institutions. Um, so it was, I know for me, it was pretty powerful. Um, and, um, and we're the specific, uh, area that we were standing, um, like the cops were all around us. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a really, it was really powerful. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, I think at that point, the, the march had been going on for a while. And so it was, it became kind of like a way of lifting up the energy. And so it was really beautiful to see everybody focused on that. Okay. Well, um, we wanted to ask if y'all are willing to play some of the music. Yeah. Um, some, some beauty. Some beauty. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to play a song que se llama La Wakamaya. Um, which the wakamaya is it's like a like the macaw parrot um and the song talks a lot about you know our environment um how we need to take care of it um just a lot of things um so yeah all right guys and while they prep we just want to remind you what this show is about today so today we were talking about immigration specifically daca and the termination of the deferred action for childhood arrivals we had really cool guests uh like maria torres and natividad from frida Kahlo organization uh, maria torres by the way is not from frida Kahlo. she's from protection from all for all uh we also spoke with quinti uh talking about immigration in schools and also safety measures. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show today. We're going to be playing a little bit of Haro uh, Chicanos. And I hope you guys enjoy. And like she said, the name of the song is Wakamaya.
Wow, that was amazing. I really enjoyed it. I was actually there in the process on Tuesday, and uh, it did catch my attention. I got there a little late, but uh, I did hear you guys. Um, it was wonderful, and it definitely, I feel, gives a lot of, like, happiness, especially because if you're protesting um, and if you're, like, maybe unprotected, right, you might feel a little scared, um, but having, like, the music makes it a little bit easier. Now, what do you guys think is the importance of youth in the music, and the, what impact does that have? Well, the, the, the focus on youth work and the, focus and the importance of youth for us, in large part, was kind of what Jackie was talking about. It's the future generations and having continuity to the work that we do. So, I mean, in, in the Fandangos, we want to have people who are playing uh, five years, in, I mean, today, and then five years from now, ten years from now. And then we also want this project to fall into the hands of people that um, that have the exposure to this. So we want to make sure that like 20 years or you know when we're not here in the future, that there's someone that's continuing the work that we do. Yeah, and I think it's just um, it's just about also to um, you know we're very generational, so um, it's just important to always have those different opinions, those different um, those different things that different age groups offer so for example one thing we, we we used to we talk about a lot that it's just like kind of an example is that a lot of the people who are showing or who are teaching the music are us and we're you know we're young well, i don't really consider myself young anymore but <laughs> i know some of them do um and uh and a lot of the people that we're we're teaching is you know like little kids and then older people um middle-aged people and it's just really interesting because it's like um it's a switch in teaching, right? So usually as your teacher, there you're usually always these older people. Um, and like we once talked about how like in the taller, in the workshop, like unless you don't have those different types of experiences, the, you know, the music loses a lot. Um, and so it's just all about how these different groups of people come in different ages coming together and what it can give the music and what it gives us too, right? As people who are teaching and as people who are learning, um, just the value that everybody gives in their wisdom. And um, one of the other things is that this music is about 300, 400 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that this music has been passed down has been through the youth, right? That's the only way that you can pass something down 300, 400 years old. Um, so a lot of the people that you know played a couple centuries ago, obviously their kids played, their kids learned, their grandkids learned, their great-grandkids learned, and it just kind of kept that cycle going. Um, so I think that also speaks to the importance of why, you know, we we have to have the youth involved. We have to have all generations involved if we want something like this to continue um, because that's just the, the only way, right? And I think the, um, the other thing that has been able to keep this music going is what we talk about, the, the wapango and the fandango. Um, which I think is something that challenges the way that we understand music nowadays, right? When Mm -hmm. we think of, like, bands or when we think of people that play music, we think of that. We think of a band. We think of people playing shows. We think of, you know, recording CDs. We think of all those things, which are great. We love it. (laughs) Um, But this music in particular doesn't survive that way, right? So the focus is is not performance, um, but the focus is the fandango and the wapango, which is basically all these people we're talking about playing together, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these songs that have been passed down that everybody knows for hours and hours and hours, right, at a time. Um, so that that celebration, that that community event, is also really the the heart of it. Um, 
And in that event, like Jackie was saying, you you need all these generations. You need the older people. You need the young people. You need the in-betweens. <laughs> um, but in general, that's that's what our community looks like, right? Our community isn't just composed of babies. <laughs> it's not just composed of, you know, everybody in their 80s. Like, there's everything, right? Um, so it's just a reflection of that. Now, let's talk about the lyrics. I really like this song, Wakamaya. When I was young, they would call me the Wakamaya because I would, like, talk a lot. Um, <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> which turns out to be, like, a good thing now. No, we're done. We're done. Yeah. But um, in, like, in the song, it said a lot about, like, flying, right? How do you guys interpret this song? Mm, uh, mm. That's an interesting that's a good thing. question. Well, a lot of these, it's, like, very metaphorical. So the it's a... It, like flying and freedom, all the things that you think about when you think of a bird, um, like falling in love and how you feel like you've fallen, you know, go in the sky. But but in this specific context, it's more about like how birds are immigrants also too and how they travel from one place to another and how it's natural, how it's uh, in the human kingdom and the animal kingdom to fly and to want to travel and to move around. Mm, I think also too, like even like the verso that Maya sang, um, you know, there's a, there's a very, cont- you know, also what you, well, we didn't forgot to. I don't know if we said it, but this music um, came out of like a certain context, right? El campo. So um, this is like this is you know música de campo. This is like you know campesinos' music, right? So um, I like the verso that Maya is saying, where it talks a lot about um, um, going to the city and what it means to go to the city and how um, you know it's very metaphorical about how like sometimes when we leave a certain rural area or certain or certain things behind and we go to another place. Um, sometimes we forget to bring things with us, um, and sometimes those places are not always um, what we thought that they would be, right? Um, to me, like, the song is a lot of things for 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 us, like, uh, messages to us about taking care of what's what has been passed on to us, um, especially, like, our planet, like, our environment. Um, yeah, and I think, as Jackie was saying, coming from the context, um, this music has a lot of relationship to the earth, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of relationship to nature, um, which I think is something that, you know, like us living in a big city, coming from a big city, a lot of times we lose that. Um, and just with migration, that kind of happens to be like a, a side effect, right, is that a lot of times we lose or we forget about this relationship that we as humans have with our earth, um, and I think that's another thing that we try and, and bring back with this music, with teaching this music, music, playing this music, is also bringing back those ways of life that connect us to the earth and to the planet that we live in. Because, um, you know, I'm sure, as you guys know, <laughs> there's a lot going on <laughs> um, with the environment right now, um, you know, with the hurricanes, with the fires, with the earthquakes. And, you know, the earthquake from, from yesterday or the day before in, in Mexico affected a lot of the places where this music is from, in Veracruz mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I think it's just like a, 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 also another side effect of um, just all the environmental attacks to the planet, right? All the fracking, all the um, the different mega projects that are affecting um, where we live. So there's always a connection with that um, and migration, right? Because when our a planet is affected in a certain way, sometimes people don't have the choice to stay at home anymore, and then they have to migrate. They have to move. Um, it's forced migration most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also just kind of something like this music like this culture a lot of times for us and hopefully for other people as well gives us that form to understand all of that right to understand the complexity of our lives of our reality of immigration of um you know just everything that we're going through as as communities all right guys so before we leave i wanted to ask you guys if you guys can play like 
like one last song. Yeah. Okay. Um, and before you guys start prepping for that, just one last advice that you guys would give youth that is affected by the decision announced on Tuesday. I would say one thing that's important is like from our perspective, there's there's um there's resources out there. There's there's music for us. There's arts. There's like kind of what Kinti was saying. Like it, you know, like you don't have to be necessarily like a hundred percent the best student, but find what calls you and pursue your dreams and your goals because. If you look for it within your community, there's a lot there for you. Um, I think one of the other things is just be together. <laughs> Again, we've talked about how this music is, is a way to bring community together. Um, and especially during times like this, like we forget that we have other people. We forget, you know, that, that it's not just us. We feel alone. Um, and this is definitely the time where we need to be together the most. So being together with family, being together with your community, just always trying to do that. Okay, thank you. So, what's the next song that we're gonna hear? La Bamba. Uh, La Bamba. I think we're gonna play La Bamba, um, La Bamba. which <laughs> it's a it's a song that's actually three hundred to four hundred years old. Um, I know a lot of people know it by Richie Valens, but it was way before that. <laughs> so we're gonna play it. A different version. Uh, yeah, the remake. <laughs> it's the actual the version. <laughs> But we like Richie Valens, though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good movie. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good movie. He's a good person.
que no me quieres Dices que no me quieres por una duda colorada en mi sangre Colorada en mi sangre como la tuya, como la tuya, como la tuya guys okay so um thank you very much for being here with us today we are coming to the end of the show uh i want to remind you that we are live from wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radius uh remember we are what's up from yolo cali uh and this was a special edition for protection for all um and stay in tune and listen up for our next show okay thank you thank you thank you Hello, it's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, amazing, astonishing, highly amazing production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up? Again. In the meantime, we'll be working on the next one here in Lumpin' Radio. So stay tuned to our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delightful, funny, breathtaking, astonishing, highly amazing broadcast. I hope that you are informed about the awesome parts of life and that you will have a splendid day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at Yolokali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at Yolokali, or visit at yolokaliartsreach.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.